The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Walsh. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. Our guest today is Nick Thompson, who is the editor-in-chief at Wired. Hi, Nick. Thanks so much for joining us on AI Today. Oh, thank you so much. Delighted to be here. Yeah, welcome, Nick, and thank you so much for joining us today. We'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about your background and your current role at Wired. All right. Well, I am a journalist. I've been a journalist since I stopped being a street musician in my early 20s. And prior to Wired, um, I worked at The New Yorker. I ran the digital side, and then I came over and I became the editor-in-chief of Wired. I started the same week as Donald Trump, so it's relatively easy for people to keep track of how long I've had this job. It's been about three years now, three years and a month. And my role is to assign stories, edit stories, figure out the direction of Wired on the HR office, figure out our business model, deal with ethical questions involving sponsored content, and every now and then go on cool podcasts to talk about things we care a lot about, like artificial intelligence. Well, great. Well, thanks. We are thrilled to have you here because I think, you know, part of the reason why we have you on our podcast is you have an interesting perspective. You, you know, you're obviously hearing from the industry and you're hearing from pundits and you're hearing, of course, from what end users are talking about, but also what governments are doing. And you have an interesting perspective that maybe many others yeah. don't have on what's happening from artificial intelligence. And so, as you may see, AI is impacting every industry. It's impacting all sorts of corners of our ecosystem. So how have you seen AI evolving over the past few years? And for your audience, how have you seen your audience evolve in its understanding and interaction with artificial intelligence? It's interesting. You know, the debate over AI has, the conversation over AI has changed in all kinds of wonderful ways since I started this job and started really digging into it. You know, three years ago, four years ago, the public conversation over AI was much more about superintelligence and much more about concerns about runaway tech, much more caught up in the hype. And over the last couple of years, we've narrowed and deepened the understanding about AI. So now it's much more about, okay, what form of AI is going to be the most effective? Is it going to be machine learning as far as we can see? Are we going to go beyond machine learning? Let's talk about the ethical debates, but let's not talk about them in the superficial ways. We really talked about them a year or two ago. Let's talk about them in more complex, nuanced ways. Let's talk about where AI is actually being used successfully, where it's not. Let's talk about its real limitations. So I feel like Partly it's my own understanding of the issue has deepened in profound ways over the last three years, editing stories about AI, writing about AI. But I also think that the readers of Wired have become much more educated on the topic, much more interested in it, and much more involved in ever increasingly interesting debates about all things related to AI. That's interesting that you say that because we've seen, you know, a lot of the use cases that we talk about and with our clients as well that we say, you know, this would be a great application. They're very mundane yeah. back office processes, things like that. And people are like, oh, yeah, well, that's kind of a boring use case. And we're like, yes, but it's an incredibly useful one. And you should probably start with it. And it's going to save a lot of money and time. So it's interesting that, you know, you've been seeing that as well, where we've gone from this talk about artificial general intelligence, this very, you know, superistic science fiction view, in some sense, of AI, to how can we use it now? 
in every day. So we've talked about how AI is impacting just about every industry, including journalism as well. So how do you see AI changing journalism in the coming years? And what ethical considerations should be discussed and put in place around this? Yeah. I mean, first, I just want to completely agree with your statement, right? One of the companies I write about a lot is Facebook. And, you know, when I started, people were like, oh my God, you know, Facebook is using AI to create a language that will displace humanity. And now AI is basically like a really useful tool for getting porn off Facebook, right? It's much, you know, simpler rote tasks that are much better accomplished with AI systems than with humans. To the journalism question, every profession is going to be changed in interesting ways by artificial intelligence, right? Because artificial intelligence systems using AI will be able to do things that we used to have humans do. So when I think about journalism, what are the things that we do now that machines can do better? So from a reporting process, I think that machines and AI systems will be very helpful in identifying patterns, potentially identifying stories. So there will be a group of reporters, a class of reporters, a type of reporter in the future who will harness AI to analyze databases, identify patterns, find investigative stories. There will also be kinds of stories that we no longer need humans to write. So the Washington Post is already experimenting with having AI systems writing basic pieces. So the Toronto Blue Jays beat the Baltimore Orioles 4-2. It happened because so-and-so hit a home run and -and so-and-so got the save. So they're kinds of rote stories that people like to read that you don't really need a human writing. You can probably write about the stock market. And as time passes and as machines get better, like those stories will increase in complexity. You won't be able to write 3,000-word narrative profiles using an AI system, but you'll be able to write a certain kind and class of story. Within the specific tasks that we have, you know, writing will be changed a little bit. Copy editing is an interesting profession where high-end copy editing, like trying to identify voice, style, that will stay with humans, right? The kind of copy editing that is on it wired, but there's a different level of copy editing that I think probably will be automated and replaced by AI. There's a certain amount of fact-checking that you, a smart AI system, could do. So there's certain tasks within you know, the stack of tasks that make up the creation of an article that will be done with AI and a certain set of them that won't be done. Right? A lot of journalism involves human-to-human contact, human-to-human reporting, becoming friends with somebody eventually you know, developing a relationship where they trust you to give you the information that makes for an important story. Like a machine is not going to be able to develop a trusted relationship with the source and report a story, but a machine will be able to do copy editing, the fact checking, the legal review, parts of that more efficiently than a human can. So there are a few ways it's going to change. There are probably about 25,000 others, but that's a start. That's interesting. You know, I think one of the things we've noticed, I don't think this is related specifically to artificial intelligence, but you know, the whole idea of the long form article has really sort of, it's become a lot, I mean, maybe I'm just noticing it more, but it's become a lot more prevalent. I'm like, like, huh, okay, there's this like, you know, bringing you into the emotion of the story and sort of like, you know, mm-hmm. carrying it rather than just, you know, talking about the facts of some story. You know, just today I was reading, there was this book about somebody who was lost in the Costa Rican rainforest and, and somebody wrote a book about it. And, and instead of just talking about that, it sort of brings you into the story. And I found that to be really engaging. That's something, of course, that you can't really do with AI. And I'm wondering if one is sort of like a reaction to the other, which is that these sort of automated pieces are taking the place of sort of this more sort of rote journalism. And in the place now, journalists are more storytellers, which are bringing people into the narrative. I mean, just something, I don't know if that's something that's intentional or I'm just noticing it more. I think that, I think it is true that there are more of those stories. I think probably you are seeing more of them in your feeds, your newsletters, in the publications you read. I don't think it's a reaction to AI yet, or if it is, it's, you know, 
5% due to AI-generated stories. I think that is much more a reaction to the decline of advertising-supported journalism. So one of the big threats or phenomenons in our industry is that the price of ads on websites and for magazines, like both prices going down and the sell-through rate is going down. So it's much harder to generate revenue off of content, right? If you get, if you publish a ton of stories and get a ton of readers, it's hard to make money off of that. And so our industry is pivoting to new kinds of business, one of which is subscriptions, right? So this is the main thing I worked on at the New Yorker. I've been working on a lot of Wired, which is moving the business of these publications from one where you are supported by advertising to one where you're supported by subscriptions. And if you're supported by subscriptions, you need to publish stories like the Costa Rican Rainforest story that people feel are unique, deep, worth paying for. You can't just monetize a lot of eyeballs in a shallow way. You have to develop relationships with readers in a deep way. So that trend will be accelerated by AI-generated stories. Absolutely. But I think the reason you're seeing it now is more due to business changes because we're pretty early in Mm -hmm. that kind of AI-generated stories chapter of journalism. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, one of the things we've been noticing about AI in particular is that while Traditionally, maybe other technology waves have been very sort of not only just U.S.-centric, but even more specifically Silicon Valley-centric. That doesn't seem to necessarily be the case with artificial intelligence. As a matter of fact, a lot of the AI conversations are very worldwide. People talk yeah. about AI around the world, and, and even in particular China. We think of you know China both as a sort of a strategic competitor in the space and, and maybe somebody that we should either be keeping an eye out to sort of the, where they're going with the use of AI technology or maybe their use of AI research. And so I know you've done some research into this. You've done some writing about this, but kind of curious, like, you know, how do you see worldwide adoption of AI across the regions and countries, and maybe especially with regards to China and U.S. and just the global competition between countries? Yeah, that's a great question. So one of the matters that is most interesting to me is how much will the world outside of the U.S. and China contribute to the most important artificial intelligence software in the future, right? We know for sure that the AI revolution will not be led entirely by Silicon Valley. It will be led either by the U.S. and China or alternatively by the U.S., China, and a whole bunch of other places. Right now, it's mostly the U.S. and China. If you think about the biggest AI companies and the biggest AI advances, like there are some in the U.K., right? DeepMind came out of the U.K. There are some in Europe. Certainly, India has huge AI ambitions. There are a lot of countries that are trying to set up AI ecosystems, but most of the technology is U.S. and China. So question number one that's super interesting is, will it be a bipolar world? Or will it be the U.S. plus Western Europe and China? Or will it be 25 countries make great advances in AI? And it's surely better for the global economy. It's better for economic justice in lots of ways. It's better for competitive markets if you have lots and lots of countries developing top-notch AI. Second great question, of course, is the thing that I've written about, which is what does the competition between the United States and China over AI mean? One of the reasons why the United States has a much more aggressive standoffish policy towards China under the Trump administration is because of fears that China is getting the lead in AI, fears that if China is the place where the top AI researchers work, where the top AI companies are built, that the whole nature of AI will be shaped in kind of a Chinese direction. So fewer concerns about privacy, more surveillance, all kinds of other good things too. But there's a lot of concern about a world where China makes the most air. There's a lot of concern in the West about that, and that has led to some of the policies that we have in the United States right now. So the way the United States reacts to all of China's progress in AI is going to be another fascinating story to watch. 
my personal preference would be figuring out ways to link U.S. and China AI research, certainly get as much sharing as we can across academics, cooperation across businesses. I would like the two economies and the two tech ecosystems be linked as much as possible, but that's not something that's happening right now. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting when we talk about AI, I think people with a Western perspective tend to think mostly about the United States and then China and then Europe and the EU, but they forget a lot of other countries, you know, any country in South America in Africa, Australia as well. A lot of times those countries are left out Mm. of the conversation around AI. And I was recently at an international conference in France and people brought that up that, you know, when we talk about things, we're talking about it from this Western perspective. And, you know, you can throw China in the mix because they're a big player in AI, but that it's a really U.S. European centric focus. So have you seen that as well? And, you know, do you try and make a point to talk about some of these other regions? Yeah, I've definitely seen it. I can understand it, too. It's partly bias, blinkered views, but it's also partly reality that, you know, I don't exactly know how to do the analysis, but if you were to ask people in the field where the 100 most important AI researchers work, they would mostly be at Western companies, Chinese companies, European companies. That said, I do think it's really important for Wired, which is covering this and to a certain degree helping to determine where the world thinks about AI to be looking in other regions. We've just launched a Wired Middle East to cover technology and AI in Middle East and North Africa. I'm hoping myself to be able to do a story on AI in Ghana, which ties back to my early roots. You know, I said I started as a street musician, but one of my first jobs was covering technology in West Africa. So I'm very hopeful of being able to write about that. I absolutely think that, you know, when there's a story about an advance in AI outside of the U.S. and China, it's something that Wired will definitely be excited about covering. Yeah, at Cognolytica, we actually just produced a few reports. One was a worldwide adoption of AI report and how different regions are adopting AI. And overall, we found from our survey that regions are adopting it at a pretty even pace. We also did mm-hmm. a very comprehensive report from all the countries in the world about, you know, their AI strategy and their plan moving forward. And, you know, do they have an AI strategy? And then we did another one around laws and regulations. And in the report, we saw that a lot of the U.S. is leading the way, a lot of European countries as well. But India was in there and Israel mm-hmm. was in there as top leaders as well. And I think yep, that some, sometimes they are overlooked in discussions when you make this a U.S., China and maybe even an EU thing. So it was an interesting report and, you know, really brought to light that a lot of countries now are finding AI to be a huge initiative for their country and the AI strategies. And they're really thinking about how to advance things moving forward. And that's great. And there's, and there's, you know, when I mentioned the countries that get a lot of attention, I do think Israel probably does get a fair amount of attention for their AI work. Though India, I think, is, gets less attention than it deserves. Yeah, I hear you on that. So hopefully we'll start changing things. So, you know, switching gears a little, there's an increased emphasis on the role of ethics and responsibility with regards to AI. And I know you touched yeah. upon it a little with the country that becomes a leader also gets to somewhat shape the ethics around AI as well. So where do you see the industry right now with regards to ethical AI, and where do you see it heading in the coming years? Well, I think one of the big transitions is that over the last two years, every company that has a major AI operation has started to talk about ethics, has come up with principles for ethical AI. You see this you know, in the big tech companies in the United States. You see this in China. You see lots of panels about it, right? Every year in Davos, I'm moderating some kind of panel on ethics and AI. What's most interesting to me right now, and maybe you can answer this for me, I have yet to find somebody who has what I consider 
a convincing philosophy for what ethics and AI should be. Right? I don't know. I don't know anybody who has really figured out what bias should be allowed in AI and what should not. To back up a step, right? Everybody talks about bias in AI, and they talk about ethics in AI, and they say AI should not be biased. AI needs to be ethical. But I don't know exactly what that means, right? I mean, I know it means that we shouldn't have. AI systems that sentence criminals based on racist data sets. I know that we shouldn't have AI hiring practices that disadvantage women because of historical inequity and in who's hired and who's promoted, right? 100%. But what about systems where the bias actually helps correct a historical inequity? Do you not want that bias in the system or do you want that bias in the system, right? What are the biases that are okay? What are the biases that are not okay? And it's an incredibly complicated philosophical question as you start to get into deeper and deeper examples. And I don't know anybody, I haven't heard of anybody who's really worked through this. But when, if you've heard of somebody, if one of your listeners has heard of somebody, please have them email me at nicholas underscore Thompson at wired.com because we'd love to profile that person. There you go. Yeah, I think that's a good, good call to action for our listeners. And there are many, many of you who are listening here. So we always try to get, a, get you involved. So I think that's a great little call to action here. I think the only thing that we have heard is that maybe it, it really depends on your perspective on artificial intelligence and machine learning as a tool or technology or as an enabler or as a transformative technology, because these things, it actually crosses the scale, right? You know, some people just see it as a a logistical tool for, you know, handling some complicated problems in a, with a machine that just would not otherwise be able to be handled in a scalable way with machines. And therefore, they're like, you know, really, honestly, as a tool, it's sort of like just like any other tool, whether it's like a saw or, you know, electricity, you know, could be used for good things and bad things. You know, obviously, in the early days, Edison, of course, you know, famously demonstrated the, the problems of, of alternating current by electrocuting, you know, elephants. But, you know, and I think many people feel the same way. It's like, you know, with the power of data and the power of machines, there can be a lot of damage caused by algorithms that are left to make decisions with little human control. And, you know, whether that's with facial recognition or whether it's with making loans, we didn't even mention, for example, the Apple card fiasco with Goldman Sachs, their yeah. algorithm, which wasn't even necessarily an AI algorithm, but it was an algorithm where it was making particularly poor credit decisions, even though people clearly shared a household. And that's an issue of bias. And of course, the pushback on that was like, well, we have to consider these factors when we're granting credit. And I think it brings up a lot of these questions, which are as relevant to AI, even though they're not specific to AI. Yeah. So. On the Apple card, I mean, that's a really interesting example. My, I actually, you know, in the rare case, sided with the large corporation on that one. It seemed like people with, you know, million-dollar incomes were getting higher credit limits than their spouses who had much lower incomes because Apple, when looking at the applications, was decoupling the households. And so maybe Apple shouldn't have done that, but it seemed like it wasn't as much a question of bias as it was like maybe there was an error in the way Apple was looking at it. But that it raises the big question of how we determine what's biased and what's not. So the larger question you're asking, totally, right? So all technology is good side, bad side, right? You can use your saw to cut wood, right? Your chop somebody's head off. With AI, though, I think the stakes are higher because one part of the nature of AI is that because many of the systems are built modeling human intelligence and are built, the whole point of them is for them to be able to make decisions that we don't know why they made, right? An AI system that performs perfectly is making decisions beyond the capability of a human and beyond what you know the human asked it to do. So suddenly you have like a really interesting explainability issue. So with another algorithm, maybe it'll do harm, maybe it'll do good, but at least you know what's happening. <laughs> with AI, you may have a decision and you don't know why it happened. So I think that the 
consequences are increased because of that phenomenon. So it's like a saw, but also more complicated than a saw. Yeah. You know, this has been a really great conversation and I'm sure that our listeners have really enjoyed this. As a final note, what do you believe the future of AI is in general and its application to organizations and corporations and beyond? I think it's the most important thing happening right now in our in the world of technology and you know, I think technology is the most important thing happening in the way we organize society and the way our economy runs. So I think it's profoundly important, right? Wired has, we have two full-time reporters covering AI. We don't have two full-time reporters covering anything else. You know, it is our strong belief that many businesses will be reshaped in AI, much like I described journalism. Every business, you can think about the different tasks within it and think about how they'll be reshaped by AI. I think ultimately it will be a net positive, but there will also be lots of consequences. So I think that AI will only become more important, will only become more consequential, will become a bigger and bigger deal in all the businesses we work in. And my hope is that there are many more podcasts, many more conversations, many more articles trying to understand where it's taking us. Yeah. And I mean, that's certainly why we have this podcast to begin with. I mean, when we started this podcast now, going to be soon three years ago, well, over a hundred and some odd episodes. It's kind of interesting and crazy how we do this. Our, wild. Yeah. I mean, our primary emphasis is just like, well, let's just find out what's actually happening today. That's why we call AI yeah. today. It's like, well, what's happening today? We could talk about where we want things to go tomorrow. And maybe we could talk a little about this during the past, but like, we'll keep track of where things are happening. And it's interesting because you're exactly on point. You know, the pace and the rate of which these conversations are part of the mainstream. And we like to talk about this many times as like in Jeffrey Moore's Crossing the Chasm. We're sort of crossing this chasm from a technology and a concept that was maybe the domain of the innovators and the researchers and technologists who, you know, were trying to push research boundaries. And now we're getting into this early majority, the mainstream, where people are now starting to expect AI technology in our apps and in interactions we have, and people want to see the chatbots and the recognition systems. So we're moving into this interesting phase where people are just going to start to expect some baseline of AI machine learning without, of course, everybody fully understanding the impact of this technology to much of what you were saying earlier. Totally. I 100% agree. I'm delighted you're doing this. And thanks for inviting me on. Yeah. Next, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. We really have enjoyed having you today. You've been very thoughtful, insightful. Listeners, definitely check out Wired. Wired's got some very deep coverage in this area of artificial intelligence. You heard it here. They have two full-time reporters who are just writing about this. There was a little call to action on uh, ethics and responsibility. You should reach out. And obviously, I'm sure Nick and the rest of the awesome people at Wired will be thrilled to engage you in the conversation. So really just really wanted to thank you, Nick, so much for joining us and participating and sharing your insight here on this podcast. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks so much, Nick. And if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please make sure to rate us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. As always, we'll post any articles and concepts discussed in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you at the next podcast. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at Cognolitica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group and make sure to join the Cognolytica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright by Cognolytica. All rights reserved. 
Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.